and welcome everyone. This is the Mind Sculptors Podcast. I am your host, Callahan, and uh, we have a great show lined up for you today, a special episode here on Friday. But before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for joining us this week. Uh, if you like this episode or any of the other episodes or events or content that we link, please make sure to uh, like, subscribe, and comment down below. If you want access to our Discord server, as well as some extra content, which I'm trying to be consistent on, bear with me. Um, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sculptors. Check out the link in the description. Another benefit of the Patreon before I move on, uh, too, is we oftentimes will go to patrons in our Discord server and ask for what you guys would like or things that you're interested in. So make sure to head on over there. We really appreciate it. Helps us do this and continue to make this content for you. Uh, also, if there are any cards that we talk about today or any decks that you're interested in purchasing, make sure to check out our TCG player affiliate link down in the description as well. And uh, that will go. We're talking about the MLC today and uh, that will help go and fund the future MLC, uh, which uh, contrary to popular belief is expensive. So um, I am joined today by one of my very good friends in the magic community, somebody that I've actually not gotten to make content with yet. And I'm actually really it blows me away that you and I talk as much as we do um, and have played as much magic together as we have and not actually made anything together. Uh, But uh, introducing him is uh, my good friend, uh, Ian, or otherwise known as Comedian MTG. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. We had I, um, yeah. I realized that Team Turn Three dr- streams are like the only like content we've made together. Technically, I guess we have been on Team Turn Three together. But yeah, we haven't um, we haven't like edited something together. Yeah, I know this is like the first time we've actually like, and it's and it's funny because it's not the first time you've been on our channel either. But it's the right. first time you and I have interacted on our channel. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, man. That's um, so funny. But yeah, it's a pleasure having you. It's thank you. You're one of the good ones. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. And uh, the reason you're here today is because you uh, won the Major League Commander uh, League that uh, we ran over the summer. And uh, I don't know how else to say it, man. You just kicked ass and uh, <laughs> ended up finishing. What was it? Five, four and one. And uh, with the best record in uh the whole MLC and you won the whole thing. Yeah, it, uh, it felt felt pretty good to, to have the record pay off. I, I had yeah. a history of top fouring without being able to clinch it. <laughs> <laughs> so actually being able to like win <laughs> something felt really good. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, talking a little bit about that, I know you have top forward a lot of tournaments. Uh, specifically, you top forward, uh, what was it? You, you top forward wasn't crap open a crack open a Kaldheim, was it? it no, was, it was um, um, the first tier one con. That's right. Webcam and then Marchesa 2021. That's I, right. I think those. There's there's other stuff there, but I you I did tend to, you, you t- top forward in the playing with power tournament too a while back too, didn't you? No, I, I didn't participate in that. Okay. Never mind. Um, I lied. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually have a much better success record with league play, ironically. Yeah. Um, I won the season six Nexus League, uh, okay. the ranked season, and that was with more wins in the highest win record of any ranked season. So that was mm-hmm. kind of how I got into the mean 16. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, so the mean 16 was the lead up right before, um, you know, it was going on right as the front end of the MLC was starting. Yeah. yeah. So when all of that was going on before, because that was kind of going on even around the time you were drafting, mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. how did that really impact like your, your start to the season? So one, one thing that was lucky about the way those two timelines uh, linked up was that I had my deck list locked in from the mean 16 for all like 20 something games I played in that, mm-hmm. that, that I guess the tournament or Lee, I don't, it's, it's hard to call it a tournament when it was a multi-week, like multiple right. games per week thing. But I guess it was with one single deck, but it was a strange format. Yeah, either way, um, so that was that was a locked in thing. So, you know, I had to show up, play a deck that I wouldn't have picked had I had any sort of knowledge of what the meta would look like. Right. <laughs> and then and then, you know play some games, do decently, and then leave and think about the MLC. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, like, so with that, you know, I know that I remembered watching your, your draft video that you did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I still think it's one of my favorite things that you've done. (laughs) Um, just, more uh, please as a fan of yours please more um <laughs> you reacting to stuff content please that's the best i i um, wish there was more of a it's it's such a weird thing with a multiplayer like because when you do like single player magic right mm-hmm. you can you can mute yourself and like yell at chat for like a really long time but with right. multiplayer if you're just like sorry three people i'm engaged in the game <laughs> with, i'm gonna go scream for 20 minutes at a play that just happened and then i unmute my and i've done it before that's how right. i used to do some of my old content was i would deafen and mute myself to talk <laughs> to the camera and it was abysmal because i would come back in and they'd be like ah, good point and i'd be like what what was the point? <laughs> um, but that was great because in that, like you would just like, I, 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 I don't know how many people have watched it. I, you should absolutely go watch it. It was a delightful hour um, where you would just mute and be like, I can't believe this is still here. I think I might get it. And it was just like, I can't believe mad farm is still on the table. Yeah. So take us through what was going on. I, I, I know we've talked about it a little bit, on yep. the channel before when you were right. on with Spleen and, uh, and uh, Scoots and Phoenix. Yeah. But specifically what it was um, going into the season, what your mindset was mm-hmm. on the draft. Sure. So I had a um, I had a, a spreadsheet up of, you know, sort of premier archetypes that I was looking to draft or premier, I guess, Column archetypes is weird, but like the lists, I, I mm-hmm. think were impressive in the database. And because I have an obsessive knowledge of CEDH, I <laughs> was pretty aware of everything that was on the database in the Brewers' corner at the time. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it's a blessing uh, and a curse, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was going through that, and I was I was working archetypes, and I was a really big fan at the time of drafting of Sans White. Nas mm-hmm. stuff, uh, which is how we got to my first pick, Yidris. Uh, the the week beforehand, I had played in one of the tier one cons, and I was playing like a Thrasios Vile Smasher, Song of Creation, Bergy, like just <laughs> pure Sans White, right. Ad Nauseum, Storm, like just all of that stuff. So that was something I was really high on the week before the MLC started. So that's how I got to Yidris as my first pick. Um, and then the idea from there, which... <laughs> boy, the apple cart got upset, was to start taking some of my safe picks, uh, which were, you know, things like Dawnmaker Thrasios, Winota, 
Um, and those and got those, bo- both got picked in the first yeah, round. In the first round. And uh, the other list I had a primer for on the database, which was my Malcolm Vile Smasher wheels list. And that also got picked up in the first round. And I was like, OK, I am not going to play a deck I am comfortable with. That's OK. <laughs> <laughs> but as you mentioned, I then started drafting and freaked out a little bit because Mad Farm was just completely untouched. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely... I made edits to Mad Farm given mm-hmm. the whole breacher meta because Pier into the Abyss had been speaking of the mean sixteen had just been such a bad card into the Adnaz meta right. or into the whole breacher meta because I was seeing like an average of two whole breachers a game and that was right. like at like minimum. Um, so I was like messing around with some of the numbers in Mad Farm, which is why I don't think it was my most successful deck at the end of the day. Um, just because I, I I could have tweaked things a little better there, mm-hmm. um, and then. Round three came around. I knew that basically I needed a deck that could really basically there's a lot of like teamer options. So, example, like teamer poly tyrant, um, maybe some of the decks like the Sands Black evolution lists. Right. Basically decks that really just absolutely pants mid range decks and go over the top of what stacks decks are trying to do and don't do like super hot into into turbo nas decks right and so right. i was looking at those sort of teamer options and n- not that they like get whooped by turbo nas but that basically the idea is that they they're fine into those matchups but absolutely like crush mid-range decks and right. seeing as that's what most of the database is it's how i landed on paco and halden because that deck absolutely is when it comes to facing off against mid-range decks it's it's very hard for them to stop that list yeah and then uh, you got Kodama Silas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was sort of the fourth round pick. And if you watch the draft, I was uh, Snuska Martin, who actually top 16 tier one con with that list. Um, so big shout out to him for doing that. Um, he was in chat with me and, and I've known Martin for a very long time at this point, right. or I guess start a pandemic. So like, you know, very long time by long by enough, right? This, this life yeah. standards. Yeah. Um, and he was in chat and he was like, Hey, you know, pick Kodama Silas. And I was like, cause I had been hyping up Kodama Timna. And I was like, ah, if we get to the round four and it's not drafted, I'll do it. I'll do it. And that's how I got to Kodama Silas, yeah. even though it is not my play style <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. So when you, <laughs> So when you look at so so going into it, right, you kind of mm-hmm. were assuming it was going to be a mid range meta. And mm-hmm. did what the the meta end up forming into because it was a very unique meta, right? Right. Um in right. in that um you know, ha- only having a single version of each of these decks yeah. uh really changed the landscape. Of what it would normally look like. And I think a really good example of funny juxtaposition, right, is mm-hmm. uh, what preceded us with uh, the um, mean 16, where it was like yeah. all turbo nozzleless yes. and then Michael yes. Levine playing Heliod. Heliod, yeah. <laughs> right. So like, <laughs> yeah, uh, how, how did the meta shake out? Was it accurate to what you thought it was going to be going into it or how different did it end up looking? I felt pretty pretty correct in my call there um mm-hmm. it, you know a lot of a lot of mid-range piles feet whatever was hot at the time so like sometimes it would be mid-range pile feet turbo nas sometimes it'd be mid-range pile feet reanimator 
Um, cause that's like the easiest CEDH deck to make, right? Like, and I'm not mm-hmm. uh, trying to offend any brewers out there. I'm just saying like, it is, excuse you. I play yeah. mid-range dot deck. That's all I play. Uh, yeah. Well, I know buddy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, but that is like what a CEDH deck is most of the time, right? It is right. like some medium speed stuff, some value engine, some interaction, and then your commander and, or your color identity do stuff for you. Right. And like, right. that's a lot of the decks in the database and so when that's sort of like the mold that everything else spawns off of, right, we have this this big glutton of mid-range stuff in the middle, and that's it, it really ended up feeling like it played out that way, even with the outliers there. And mm-hmm. in the games with the outliers there, there were definitely the weird scenarios, right? So like playing against uh, Marwin, right? Marwin is able to pop off in certain pods and then like was able to kill me playing Yidris and stuff like that. So like there was definitely right. a lot of weird, weird combinations. Um but I think the the Simic and or Teamer decks were really favored in that pod, which is why I, I think like Tatiova was a great pick. I think Teamer mm-hmm. Polytyrant was a great pick. I think Paco was a really strong option. You know, decks like that that really circumvent what the rest of the format's trying to do at that moment. Yeah. Was there a deck that got drafted that mm-hmm. really underperformed uh, that you were expecting? Really, not even just yours, but... Um, it could be of yours, but it could be of any of the drafted decks that you just expected to do better than it did. Um, let's see. I actually had one, but I, I actually don't know how they finished with it. Oh, okay. So we only played twice. So, t- so Tim Crom Breach out of Kai, I was expecting to do decently. Um, actually, speaking of Kai, Abzan Kodama stacks, I thought mm-hmm. was going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I think he only, he went zero, two and one with it. Mm-hmm. I really thought that deck was going to just with Kodama's ability to break parity on a lot of pods. I thought that yeah. deck was going to run away with a lot of games. Um, well, I, I think Kai was not well positioned to play stacks into mm. any pod that had Charles in it. <laughs> um, valid, valid. Yeah, because and, and that was kind of. My understanding was his thought process mm-hmm. with that was, um, you know, two stacks decks at a table are better than one. Right. Um, and so you can kind of play off of each other. But then you run into the issue of that. Charles is like an S tier stacks player. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I think he was kind of disadvantaged by that. But that's that's interesting. I would have expected a, a Kodama to do better as well. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of that just I, I mean, flipping through here and, you know, half the time it can be like, OK, what was the pod composition during these games? Because you have to realize like. uh there, there's a lot of scenarios with these decks. Like Mad Farm went one and two. I mean, even my own draft, I, I thought Mad Farm did pretty poorly for me to the point where I was very confident not playing it in the finals, even though I was going yeah. first. So that was that was a pretty big shift for me. Um, I'm a little sad. Don Waker went zero and three. <laughs> I would have thought it would yeah. have actually been pretty well positioned into this meta, but I guess not. Because when I was playing it in the the pre turbo meta the the mm-hmm. one between flash and the turbo meta i was absolutely pantsing people with don waker because <laughs> I, I mean it, yeah it just it's playing seaborn muse and like a ridiculous amount of interaction and really clean efficient infinite mana right. and you also don't get targeted like a turbo nas deck like i really thought that deck was gonna really show up for this one so i was a little surprised by that yeah so Getting into the season, um, mm-hmm. like I said, you went five, four, and one. You got two wins on Paco. Well, three wins technically on Paco. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And uh, we got one on Yidris and, you know, one two on, on Two on Yidris. Two on Yidris, excuse me. Yep. Yeah, you're correct. Um, when it came down to the games that were played, were there any games that you felt like, man, you know, were really good ones or ones that, you know, you might have lost that you just that one just got away. Like, what are some of the highlights of your <sighs> season to you? So I think Yidris was a major overperformer last season. Um, I I was so close to being 3-0 with that list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the game I lost with it. Uh, was because one Timmy thought of a very clever line of untapping another yep. player's death right shaman and pinging me to death with it, um, and then just the fact that it was probably the worst ad nauseum I have ever resolved. Like I think I had literally zero fast mana or like a and, piece of it, and, and it was to an end be step fair, <laughs> I have seen. I I I kind of want to go back. I wish we had recorded every single game, but I think. <laughs> There was an absurd amount of people who resolved ad nauseum and then mm-hmm. did not win. Yep. Um, yep. It was absolutely. I've never seen that many people not win off of it off of an ad nause. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a weird sort of feeling in the air. I don't know yeah. something about it, but it was like it was like a turn three ad nause at someone's end step that I had the ability to untap and even fire off a vamp tutor before my first draw and. It, the vamp tutor was like the best thing and I got a dock side or I could have gotten a dock side for like three mana. And that was the only way I was going to scrounge it up. Like it was a, it was an atrocious ad nauseum, right? <laughs> it was garbage. And I was like, this deck is built to be lean and efficient. Cause if you're not playing ad nause, you're casting storm stuff. Right. <laughs> so that yeah. was a, that was a wild game. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's crazy how many times that happens. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, the game you drew on Mad Farm, I, if I recall correctly, um, you were playing against Charles, was it? Yes, that was the Charles Pongo and someone else game. It must have been that one. Or no, that was the one that Charles won in the last turn. Yes, that was yeah, no, that yeah, was yeah. that was one of our losses. That was yeah, a very yeah. good game in which. Pongo and I were being just like a little too cryptic with our table talk. Yeah. And I think he, he and I are so used to like just being like, say just enough, say just enough. But we we both were saying just a little too much mm-hmm. and we ended up losing because of it. Um, but yeah, so there was that game. And then oh, I'm trying to remember that draw. Man, it, it was a lot. This is a 13 week tournament. So yeah. <laughs> so forgive me if I well, and that's that one. that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is because I know you as a player, I'm, I'm going to give away one of your secrets, so bear with me, um, mm-hmm. are probably one of the best players at politicking a table, like, next to, like, Reed, right? Um, and how did you feel politicking and table talk played in this format where there were, because you go, this is not to talk down about, you know, other players, but like a tier one con, for example, right? Like you're you're going to end up playing against a lot of not, you know, the top end of who you would normally play. Sure, Whereas sure. with this, you know, these are a lot of the people who are like kind of the better players in CEDH. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did politicking and table talk and all of that play into your season from your experience? Yeah, that's really interesting. So for me, and, and there are 36 players here, right? So right. like it is a 32. very... Oh, sorry, 32, my bad. Um, 
the the different relationships that I have with all 32 of those people is very spanning, right? Right. Um, so, for example, we have people like uh, Hire, who was one of the first people I met on the Nexus when I first, like, jumped into the online community and has known me for, like, a year now, right? And so we have a very deep relationship mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, people who know each other for CDH. And then there's people like Nick from the Tryhards, who I think I've talked to once. Yeah. <laughs> so so obviously that range was definitely there. Um, and I actually find it easier for, for myself to politic with people I know well. Um, and it's not because I like, uh, you know, abuse any familiarity, but it's more like when when I genuinely look at somebody, because I, I had this come up at Tier 1 Con a couple of times and, and just playing games before the tournament or like in general, mm-hmm. you know, I from for me as a person, my my style for play is that I never lie. I do not lie yep. in a game. And if anyone even thinks that I lie, I like go out of my way to be like, I'm sorry if you interpreted this way. I did not mean to lie to you. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, it's just it means a lot to me as a person to be very honest. Um, So being able to say stuff like, hey, I do not have anything for this. I need you to trust me here. And have people actually like listen was obviously like just like an ease of a <laughs> burden there. Right. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I would play against pods with people like Pongo and Pongo's like a great mind to this format. And I would be sort of trying to to talk and go over threat assessment with the table. And then he would come at me with this really enlightened take that also <laughs> highlights everything that I am trying to do on my side of the board. And he like read me really well. And I was yeah. like, Oh, we're, this is going to be an hour and a half song and dance that we're going to go yep. back and forth on. <laughs> That's what um, I get to play magic with every Sunday. <laughs> but it's Callahan. Why don't you like win that. on team turn three very often? <laughs> I can't imagine why. Yeah, <laughs> but that's I mean, that's why I love playing in pods with people like Spleen and Reed and Pongo. And like you just really get to to do that song and dance for people who are really going to make you work for it. And yeah. It's fun. <laughs> um, and I definitely, you know, it's it's interesting having that relationship with people and then having the game stream, because as, mm-hmm. as we saw with some of the comments halfway through the season, some people weren't like people who don't know me took me and my familiar language with people and they right. were like oh ian's ian's like being sneaky or some ridiculous stuff like that and i was like no i'm i'm talking to my friends during a game and yeah i'm I, I'm a passionate player and i'll admit that comes into my politics a lot because right. like when people like come at me during a game when i think they're being wrong i'll get butthurt about it <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> like <laughs> right and, and it's not like any malice towards the people it's just like i just think you're evaluating the board wrong you know mm-hmm. um and so those things come up and it's it's a nuanced conversation and it happens all the time in CDH. One of the hardest parts about the format. Right. So when it got down to the end of the season, mm-hmm. um, you and Rebel were so neck and neck yeah, down yeah. the stretch. What what was going through your head during that last game that you won? Um, yeah. I, I forget what you were playing on that last week. Um, so I had two games uh, to win and in, yeah. basically, for the finals. Um, the first game we played and I lost. Um, mm-hmm. And that one was a tough break because the game felt like it could have broken a different way. And I was like, okay, I got one more. Like, I got I got to do. Or no, no, no. Maybe that was my draw. Was that my draw? That was my draw. Okay, now we're starting to get there, right? Because that was the... (laughs) 
Yep, that that was the game with uh, Charles on Grand Arbiter, Cameron yes. on Sig, and uh, yes, Lucas okay. was playing mid- Esper midrange. All yep. right, now we're there. Okay, so yes, that was my draw. And for me, actually, I was really happy about this draw. And the reason for that is because I felt if I had just won a game and gone to the finals going five and five, as opposed to Rebels five, four, one record because of the way the breakers worked. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. For me personally, I was like, if I went to the finals about that, I would have felt just like it it wouldn't have felt right to me. So when I got that Mm -hmm. draw, I said, okay, now I have the opportunity to win my last game and earn my spot in the finals. Basically, right. That was that was my mentality for it. I'm a very competitive person, even with myself. So, right. Uh, so when I got that draw, I was like, heck yeah. And meanwhile, it's very funny. I was talking to Rebel about this the other day. Rebel's first uh, Trice tournament we played mm-hmm. in. Um, and it might have also been my first Trice tournament. And it was like this very weird moment. We like talked afterwards and like stuff like that. And then we had this this moment where we were talking right before the finals. We were like, hey, it's kind of funny that that we had this like, I, I don't know, like it's kind of like this anime like <laughs> ending. Yeah, here where you're like like fighting till the very end and then like pushing it out in this last game to like clinch my spot. And then as and as soon as I won my um my game, the, the one that solidified my top final spot, I first thing I did was direct message rebel. And I said, I will see you in the finals Yeah, because she had been playing brilliantly the entire season. And I was like, I will see you there. And I know you're going to make it. And the game she played to get in was yeah. Yeah. Honestly, one of the most incredible games of magic I think I've ever watched in my life. Um, yeah. yeah, it was, it, uh, it was, incredible. I, I caught at least like the first hour of it. I haven't, I haven't fully watched all the finals yet. Cause tier one con and no time, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've been catching up on those recently and that from what I've already seen, the game was insane. <laughs> it, it, it there, she made decisions in that game that I don't know. I could have made <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, just to put it that way. Right. Um, right. But so you, you've got that going on. Um, when it got to the playoff, like you said, you mm-hmm. ended up not moving on mad farm, which I was very surprised when I was doing my projections. I was <laughs> fully expecting you yep. going yep. first in that first seed to pick, yep. um, to pick, what was it? Mad farm. Yeah. And you went with Paco and it yeah. almost didn't work out. Um, because the pod composition was not ideal not for friendly. Paco. No, no. Um, no, it was it was it was horrible for Paco, to be <laughs> honest, <laughs> but it it worked out enough. And the reason I chose Paco was because I had been playing a bunch of games with the deck, right? Not only just mm-hmm. like for the actual MLC games, which it came very close to beating Skeeta in our semifinals game mm-hmm. or not in our semi, sorry, in our regular season game. So it was also close to going 3-0 right. that, for the season. And it just felt like this is gonna sound so silly but like like you know in those like when when someone who is like specialized with a weapon mm-hmm. they like you can tell they're comfortable with it or, or like right. a fighting style or you know these people who have these things that they are very comfortable with when i was playing paco and halden i was like ah yes my myself and this deck are in tune we are speaking <laughs> the same language like it's it's performing so consistently turn two paco turn three halden all this protection up in that like song we were singing at the same pitch right that was that was happening every single time and i was like this is the only deck 
where I just don't feel a bunch of anxiety about walking into the finals and like slamming it on the table. Yeah. So when we we, we got to that game, when you mm-hmm. saw the decks you were up against, what was your reaction? Oh, man. So I I had been I was in the middle of like two very rough weeks just yeah. in my life. And so I got the pod composition and I was like, yeah, OK, life, I get it. <laughs> like, we're doing this again. Sure. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm not going to cast a single relevant spell out of this pod. <laughs> So, so, so when you, what was your, when you were mulliganing and kind of going into it and look, what was it you were looking in for those opening hands? Oh yeah. So, so I've been talking about this a lot lately and it actually got to get shown off really well at tier one con. Um, I'm a very aggressive mulliganer. Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm playing a deck that supports that. Right. Um, so for example, I'm playing some like Dominic or Thrasios. I'm going to keep a mana dork and some interaction. And yeah, it's like Tim, the Tim, the Thrasios, yeah, yeah. right? You're just exactly. like, hey, dork and a yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> so Paco was not only like a deck that I play and play aggressively. It was built by a person who mulligans aggressively. Like Brayden right. is the one who taught me to mull like a psychopath. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean obviously i, think I know I where made, sage gets it now <laughs> <laughs> yes i i genuinely feel like it, it was many conversations with Braden. um and so that i knew that the the initial version of the deck was built that way and i knew i had made changes to the deck to make it even more aggressively so right mm-hmm. so the deck is just meant to turn two paco at the latest turn three halden Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you do the turn two Halden because you have Fierce Guardianship or whatever, and though your man is awkward if you really have to get desperate. But <clears throat> you mull aggressively for that. And at tier one con, I, I played a, a, a feature match where I had to mold down to four, but got a turn one Paco. And I was like, all right, here we go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you even play, I, d- I didn't watch any of tier one con for, yeah, for what it's worth. Um, I, I had to work, you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you even played Paco and Halden at tier one con. Yeah, yeah. So if I could tell you how comfortable I was. So you're a believer in the deck now. I I, I am a <laughs> Marlene Me 3, Chunky Papa Goes Bonk, I believe is my current name for the deck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love it so much. So so what what back to what we were talking about when mm-hmm, we were yeah. when you were mulliganing, you see, okay, yeah. shit, I have to play Inamar, Tinatana. Yeah, I'm playing yeah. against three creature decks. This is the yep. worst worst scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I think well, I kept a land, I think it was land, dork, mana crypt, and then I had to noxious revival my own land back on top. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And I was like, but you know what's a turn two Paco, baby? We'll play it. <laughs> it's there. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then hire uh, nature's claim, my mana crypt, and then I, I just sort of stress sweat tears <laughs> <laughs> um and i i think i was able to recover pretty decently from that point but it was definitely not the optimal start by any means right. um yeah but obviously uh, uh man people paco is very good and there's a reason i play paco and hold them a lot but people do tend to overestimate Paco mm-hmm. and just because it, it literally gets big you know what I mean as opposed to like certain card advantage engines like you never see the three cards that Timna draws a turn but you see Paco flip some cards you see Paco turn into a 13 13 a 14 14 a 17 17 and you're like oh my god it has to die right um 
And I definitely think there was a bit of that during the game. And I think Rebel almost won had she hit a land drop because I think people were being very aggressive towards Paco. And obviously I won at the very end, but that's because I, I hit a 50-50 gamble. And if I had whiffed on that, I was I was pretty You were out bad. of it. There, there's a solid chance it, I don't win if I if I miss that. I, I believe Hire had it on his turn. Yeah. Uh, if I recall yeah. correctly. So yeah, I had to do some real creative stuff if I didn't hit that gamble. Yeah. <laughs> so so what was this is the iconic gamble we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. you yeah. you really you literally you went full Ken Bauman. You flipped a coin. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. What what was going through your head as you're like so what mm-hmm. was it you were searching for? I can't remember off, off the top uh, of my breach. head. Breach. And so yeah. you're searching for this, and you know what's kind of going through your head at that time. So. As much as it's really awesome to be like, wow, there was this sexy 50-50 gamble for the win. Like, holy crap, that was that was the big game. It was the most free gamble I have ever cast in my entire life because there was a whole breacher out. And the only other card in my hand was Sylvan Library. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and I was like, well, this card's garbage. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, 50-50. But like worst case scenario, I pitched the breach. I still have a garbage card in my hand. I like it I'm casting this gamble right <laughs> like right um so so that was definitely that but like it it was obviously a huge thing because if I didn't get the breach there I go to my extra turn and I have to hit something off the top and it can't be card draw related because the momentous fall had been shut off by the fact the whole breacher was there right uh and there's a lot of stuff um speaking of the 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 underworld breach combo um really proud of the fact that when I was building the deck I was like I think it is ludicrous that the deck is on breach without brain freeze LED. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm putting in intuition, putting in brain freeze LED, like these combos are going in there. And the idea was that like breach allowed for some like big turns combos. Right. Right. But I was like, there, there is no way that having a commander agnostic combo isn't the right call in this deck. And the only dead card is brain freeze because LED is stupid in this deck. Um, Right. It allows you to desperation well, because you're cast playing other Paco. people's cards, right? Right. Yeah. So, so you can desperation cast Paco. You can turn one Paco and Halden sometimes with like Jewel Lotus and LED or, or like turn two in a more realistic sense. Right. But you can right. cast your Paco and be like, I have like two lands in hand. Crack the LED, play Halden in the same turn. Uh, you can also use LED to cast spells with Halden. So a lot of the times you only have like two cards in hand that aren't able to be cast with your commanders. And you can be like, oh, they'll be like, oh, he's tapped out. He can't use any of these counter spells in exile. And you're like, actually, I'm going to crack my LED, throw away this bad hand. And I'm just going to use the counter spells exile with Halden because they're all from exile. Right. And so, yeah, LED is just really, really strong in that deck. So I I think I think Alan might have asked you this in the post game. But when Mm -hmm. you look at Paco and Halden, obviously you believe in the deck enough to play it at tier one con. Um, Right. When it comes to, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you right now. Uh, the thumbnail for this video is: Is Paco and Halden the best deck in CEDH? <laughs> um, it, Yikes! <laughs> so when you, <laughs> we're all about that click, baby, clickbait, baby. Let's gotta gotta get it. Um, yeah. God, I hope somebody takes that out of context. <laughs> um, when you, when you look at the deck and you evaluate mm-hmm. it. Outside of the right. MLC, because we've talked about this sure. you know, a lot, is the MLC. Yeah. The MLC down the stretch had Hall Breacher after it was banned, um, yeah. which yeah. shaped even the finals mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Um, True. When you look at it, 
as um, a card, you know, outside of that meta and just mm-hmm. going into, you know, an LGS tournament or something like that. How do you feel about it overall? Paco Nalden. Um yeah. So it's if you are in one of those LGSs, which I think there's a lot of these where you are seeing mm-hmm. a lot of the sort of like mid-range stack stacks like Urza. If you're seeing a lot of classic Tim Thrasios, you're seeing Thrasios Bruce, all of these Tassiger, right? Like these are such like classic LGS CEDH decks, right? Except for maybe like Gitrock, right. right? Like that's I feel like these are the things you always see in LGS. A lot of these like mid-range grind piles. People are like, hey, my my LGS is Urza and Tassiger, and people have been playing the same deck for 13 years. And you're like, that's not even a thing. <laughs> uh, right? But like <laughs> um <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's, some it's form that, of the Mimeoplasm pile. Y- yeah, for- exactly. Right. And and that's the kind of I feel like a lot of LGSs look like that. And if you're in that yeah. kind of LGS, you slam the ever-living heck out of Paco and Halden because Paco yeah. makes mid-range decks his chew toy. <laughs> so, um, so when you say you said that a couple times, but just yeah, for the people at home, like I know that because I yeah, play mid range yeah. in Phoenix right, right. likes Paco and Halden. So yeah, um, that's fun. <laughs> but yeah. um, me over here, just trying to do Rector shenanigans and Jeremy's sure, sure, just sure. like, I'm just going to swing this dog at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> explain what it is about Paco that makes it sure. so good into a mid range. Sure. So, so one, you explode in a way that like, like ad nauseum decks are already good against mid range decks, right? Like that's kind of just like mm-hmm. a, a, a fact, um, unless they're playing the appropriate interaction, but we don't have to get into that here. Uh, but with Paco not so, so like you have like a dispel, right? And your opponent goes, turn one mana vault, turn two Paco. Right. What are you doing with that dispel? Like, and so a mid range deck is going to play a dork. They're going to hold up some interaction, probably not interaction that deals with creatures. And now, so turn three, you have your Halden out, right? And you're a mid range deck. You're not going to beat Paco and Halden by turn three. So now Paco has swung twice, right? right? Once with Halden on the field. That is eight cards that a Paco and Halden player has in their hand, not including the fact that they have a hand. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't care if you have a Ristic Study. I don't care if you have a Sylvan Library. I don't care if you have a Mystic Remora. Those cards are not going to beat the card advantage generated with Paco. Paco is what I like to call a slow ad nauseum. Um, and it's mm-hmm. because it's just, it, it, it's like the five mana and then just every turn, more and more cards, more and more cards, more and more cards. It's like, I don't, if you've ever played against a deck that isn't like super turbo, but it resolves a bolus to Citadel and is just like slowly oppressing you. That's right. <laughs> what it's like. And so not only that, but it's also presenting pressure onto the table. So you don't just get to play your creatures for free because Paco is suddenly making you use those creatures as chump blockers. Right. And so it's pressuring your life total. It's pressuring the card advantage on the board. And yeah, you can like go and attack its engines, right? You can go and attack Halden, you can go and attack Paco. But there's a reason I'm playing cards like Misdirection or in my current version of Paco and Halden outside the MLC, Mind Break Trap, right? Like you get to play all these crazy free interaction spells. (laughs) Yeah. And you get to play Deflecting Swat and Fierce Guardianship, which work really well with those commanders. Um, and basically, mid-range decks have to pray that they have a Dranith Magistrate on the first couple turns. 
And yeah. that's usually they're out to Paco and Halden. It is just the the card advantage generated can never be beaten by the fair magic that mid-range decks play. And I know it's wild to call CEDH yeah. fair magic ever, but like when you look in the in the context of CEDH, mid-range in decks the con- are yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, are the fair magic of of competitive EDH. <laughs> Listen, I I play Lavinia and I've had I've had to play Lavinia against Paco many a time. Oof. And uh, GG's not a good time. It's not a good time. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that is. I feel like that is an unwinnable matchup. Ninety five percent of the time. Um, it's not unwinnable. It's just not a good time. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, fair. <laughs> you you spend too much of your time having to deal with one person. You don't get to deal mm-hmm. with anybody else, which is kind of the yeah. issue. But yes. um, by the way, uh, Cobble, if you're counting that is my first reference to lavinia (laughs) i have fulfilled my duty um yeah also uh, i meant to say um, paco and halden also does pretty decently into stacks as well um because a lot of the stacks of the format don't really target what you're doing like yes rule of law effects will shut down your breach lines but at that point of the game, you pivot. I guess to, I'll just smack you in the face instead. I, I guess I'll beat <laughs> you to death. And then like, oh, no, I have to use my interaction on your turns. Darn. <laughs> like, right. And then on my turns, I'll develop a, an engine or maybe go for an extra turn effect. And like, yeah, you can't loop extra turns. But you know what stinks? Uh, 13, 13 Paco hitting you and then a 15, 15 Paco hitting you the next turn. Meanwhile, drawing four yeah. cards, right? Like it's stack stacks have a hard time with that card. Yeah, well, it's really interesting and congratulations again for winning. And um, thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, I, I I didn't technically root for anybody. I did not officially <laughs> root for anybody, but you were definitely in the group of people that if you won, I would not cry. Um, <laughs> there wasn't anybody that I would cry if, if they won, to be fair. But um, I, I was I was happy to see you win. Um, Thanks, bud. But um, I'm, I'm glad you you. Uh, we're able to stop by, talk about the season, talk yeah, about what you. was going on. Um, for the people at home who, for whatever reason, don't know who you are, um, where can they find you at? Yeah, so you can find me at youtube.com slash comedian MTG. I'm going to make the bold assumption that it will be in the description of this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. more than likely. Um, <laughs> i'll pass to you about it don't worry you know what just because you said that it won't be in there no <laughs> <laughs> but um the <laughs> the content on the channel it, i started out doing like very analytical views on gameplay and then i realized that a lot of channels like do gameplay really really well and that wasn't going to be my niche so i focused mm-hmm. a lot on um, my favorite videos to make now are top four breakdowns. So whenever there's a big tournament, I'll break down every list in the top four, go into like the nuances of the decks, the any specific choices the pilots made. I'll usually have watched the finals so I can actually comment on like the right, gameplay, right. what happened during the game. Um, and, you know, usually there I, I participate in 95 percent of the tournaments in this format. So like I'll usually talk about real experiences I had during that the the tournament. Um, I do deck techs. I do videos breaking down brand new cards that have been spoiled that are terrifying. <coughs> Cody. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, uh, and stuff like that. So so if you're interested in any of that, I've also started a new series that uh, Charles Mono White guy has been calling my case study series. Um, it's yeah. I've been calling it uh, experienced CDH player uh, breaks down 
where I'm taking other people's gameplay, people like playing to win, play with power, um, and going through their games. And then from an experienced CDH player's perspective, talking about like nuances in the play decision, how they affected their mulligans, how that changed the course of the game, how turn order affects the game, all stuff like that. So if you're if you're really looking to take a step up as a, a CDH player, as if you're looking to improve your game, that's the people I'm hoping to uh, help in the format. A lot of people who are like jumping yeah. into the format have said they really enjoyed the the channel for learning purposes, and that's kind of exactly what I'm hoping to to. It's uh, it's about funny to me be. because I feel like you have a very misleading <laughs> channel name, because um, your yeah. name implies that you don't take this shit very seriously. But you 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 honestly are are somebody in the format who I think is probably one of the most knowledgeable and most well versed, and uh, probably one of the you're you're what I would call the part of the new wave of smart people in the in the <laughs> format. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we've we've had cobbles, we've had all these guys, right? Sure, sure, just, sure, sure. There's Ian's popping up around there. And, <laughs> it's um, it's funny. I actually have referred to myself as as Gen Two um, before because there mm-hmm. is the you know the the original CEDH players, the people who like may or may not have been around the format in the pub stomping days. And now there's like the right. gen two people who are like, I was playing casual. And then someone said I knew how to optimize my decks and now I'm here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I fit into the somewhere in between category yeah, uh, where yeah. I was pl- started playing CDH around 2016 and, mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of like, I, I was born and raised on lab maniacs content. So, right. Right. But, you know, but yeah, it's <laughs> a pleasure having you. Um, I love you. having you on. And, uh, you know, if you want to react to anything, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, it's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm always willing to, to be ridiculous about some shit. But, uh, <laughs> that about wraps things up for us here today. Just a quick reminder. Like I said, you can go, uh, follow comedian, over on his YouTube channel. Also, uh, what's your Twitter handle? People want to follow you there. Uh, I believe it's just twitter.com slash Okay. Uh, you can go f- follow him over there. You can also follow the Mind Sculptors here at Sculpty Boys, B-O-I-S. Um, or you can find a direct link in our link tree in the description below. want to also give an extra thanks to all of our patrons who help keep the lights on. If you too like to become a patron you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash mind sculptors or check out the link in the description thanks again for joining us this week or today and uh from all of us here at the mind sculptors i'm callahan and we'll see you next time i'm in line with the stars i'm in sync with the earth ten toes deep flower child from the turf i never switch sides like even when i die i'm a ride for the squad let our ties in the hearse i've been on a vibe kind of hard to describe i'm in between i'm good and it's fine but i'm tired of the grind then i come alive in the night to realize i'm in the middle with a time of my life i'm never so packed for the stack never lied on the back got a bag from the way that i write it queen looking tyson do that i survived doing 80 to the house then i hit it to the sky change haters on a tirade talking to the grip and the face be still like that hit stuff fade we all with the same we all want a meal in the safe i want to live like i'm trying to enlighten just spill from my lips feel big from the bit take a sip till i pass out Try and get grip, but it don't make sense. Cause you can lose life on this fast route. Yeah, turn thoughts to a cash cow. I might flip that to the glass house. I don't need the accolades, I'm in love with the chase. I just wanna eat, save a spot at the table. Beast with the slap, hit myself on the map. You long with the wind, but we knowing that it's cap. Five hour flights, couple nights at the
the flat To be real, could you see me making moves while I'm at? I'm still on the grind, every time when I chat I'm burning down sage, keep the demons away When I ready, give a piece of myself to the page I don't do it for the price 